I think that, again, this is just speculation here, but I think that the fact that they're toying with like other dimensions and Loki pulling things from other dimensions and like Loki seems to mostly be leaving the main canon dimension alone, except maybe Red Raptor or something, but like that's far away from Valhalla. I think Loki has been like toying with other dimensions because Ragnarok either has or is happening or will happen in those other places. If what I'm thinking is true, then that means the devs can have their cake and eat it too. They can have Ragnarok happen in other dimensions, but not in the main one. Welcome to episode 4 of Brahalla Origins. On this show, I interview notable members of the Brahalla community to ask them how they found Brahalla and progressed to how involved they are with the community today. On today's episode, I interviewed Baron Dipitus. Baron is widely regarded as the eminent lore master in the Brahalla community and has a deep knowledge and passion for all things Brahalla lore. Brahalla Origins is presented by Brawl Academy. Brawl Academy will provide the most advanced and detailed Brahalla courses and coaching, specifically meant for helping beginner level players get to Diamond. A small group will be allowed early access to Brawl Academy in late October, but if you want help quickly, replay reviews and coaching are now available. Sign up over at brawlacademy.com for more info. And with that, on with the show. Baron Dipitus, welcome to Brawlhalla Origins. How are you doing today? I am fantastic. It's uh, yeah, it's, a, it's an honor to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for agreeing to come on. Um, when I was kind of putting together the guest list for season one, I knew that I wanted to reach out to you uh, in particular because you have kind of become very well known in the community as being sort of the lore master for Brawlhalla and knowing almost everything there is to know about Brawlhalla lore and um, sharing some of the cool like aspects of Brawlhalla's lore with the rest of the community. So. Uh, I wanted to kind of learn about your background and kind of your history with the game and kind of mm -hmm. see what how how this whole thing started basically so <laughs> and that's kind of the theme of the show so yep. i guess my first question then is going to be uh how did you find brahalla like how did you get into the game um was it was it something that you kind of tried out and you knew you liked it immediately or did it take like a couple of times of like going to it and coming back and things like that yeah so um yeah so i started i discovered brahalla in 2018 and i discovered it because that was a time when i was i was starting to realize how um i was getting back into gaming in general at the time as well uh as a as a married man with you know a job and i guess i was getting i guess i was also working on like a, a master's degree at the time as well but um but yeah i was just kind of like uh, i realized how much stuff was on steam and i never really got into pc gaming until around that point and i was just looking for um you know obviously we wanted to keep our gaming budget like limited so i was looking for free games i, I kept looking for free games a bunch of times um on on steam and i came across some some fun ones uh one of the more memorable ones before brahalla was uh the darwin project i okay. got into that for a little bit and uh i i was i was considering being like sort of a sort of a content creator in there because i liked the uh i played dungeons and dragons especially as a dungeon master and so i liked the there's a sort of a game master element to the darwin project that i enjoyed um and um uh, 
but then you know, and I discovered a few you know a few other games and uh, but yeah the but that that's the main one that sticks out to me. But then yeah, I came across Brawlhalla and I basically saw it as oh it's it looks like it's basically Smash Brothers like fight, fighting on platforms. Uh, with a cool like set, I I saw it as a Saturday morning cartoon kind of aesthetic. I didn't really see it as a flash game per se. Okay. Um, I I mean, uh, I, my first impression was, was was that that kind of like oh, it's like a it's like a fun cartoon like you know like like seeing like um, like that I used to watch on like you know Fox Kids or whatever and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I did grow up very much a Nintendo kid. Um, so okay. I had Super Smash. So. I was very familiar with Super Smash Brothers Melee and Brawl, and I'm like, oh, I'll try this out. Why not? And I, I wasn't, I wasn't attracted to the lore right away. I didn't know it was there, but I just kept playing, uh, and just it just felt fun. I, I didn't care that I was like winning or losing. Um, it was a fun. It was a. Fu- I, I liked the art style. Um, I know some people. Might, I know some people less familiar with Brawl might not like the art style as much. I liked it a lot. Uh, it it, uh, it charmed me. And I found it very charming, and I, I, I think the first thing that struck me was that Brahalo was very good at making you feel cool for doing things. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very enamored by I was very enamored by the very unusual weapons. Um, I picked up Scarlet pretty quickly because I'm always I've always been a fan of steampunk stuff. Okay, uh, Scarlet was a cool character. I liked her her steam hammer and her steam lance. Uh, it was also kind of crazy to me how. Uh, other how other weapons in the, in the game worked with a bow. You literally shoot your opponent with this giant bow, um, and everything. Um, blasters are like short, are kind of like short range ish, but still longer range than other weapons. Um, it was just very, and they, uh, the game was very. I saw the game was very creative with how they used the weapons, how the mm-hmm. how the weapons attacked and things like that, and it was just fun to, you know, mess around in. Um, so I would just like play for several hours, several nights in a row, essentially. Um, and then, as I was sort of uh, exploring the game, I saw there was a Meet the Legends section, and that is where I discovered the lore. Um, and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. There's a little backstory for each character. That's that's kind of fun. Um, and like I, I've you know, be, being a being a librarian by profession, I always you know I appreciate you know, you know. Backstories, narrative. I guess also my Dungeons and Dragons background. I like backstories and narrative and world building. But I was very impressed by the level of world building that I did not expect to see. Mm-hmm. Um, it was uh, it was mainly because like I felt like these weren't these didn't feel like just one off stories. I mean they kind of were. They were written for you could like you could like finish in the you could stop reading in the middle of lore and still get an idea of what the character is. Mm-hmm. Like it's written like there's a very deliberate. Um, I've learned, like especially at BCX last year, the the deliberate way in which the devs write the lore. Um, and it's very effective for what they want to do. Um, but I was very struck by I kept seeing Fangwild brought up a couple times. Order of the Exalted Lion, hmm. Lance Star Champion, um, mentions of other uh, other other legends and uh, mentions of other legends and other legends lore. Um, Artemis has a rival, has a mysterious rivalry with Orion. Um, all these kinds of things. And that's when I really started to get hooked. And I just kind of thought to myself, um, well, I had I had done a lore, a lore wiki before with another game series called Apser, called Apser Incorporated, okay. um, which is a series of mobile, the series of um, like kind of meta horror platformer games on mostly on mobile. 
um, that have like a, a continuity to it, um, kind of following the uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe up to Endgame kind of thing, where each game is a little bit of this timeline. Mm. So I wrote a lore wiki for that, which I haven't updated in a while. That I really need to do that. But I'm I, so I so I look at this Brahalla lore and I'm like. Surely there, there's got to be like a place that some, some people like this. You know, some people must have like, there's got to be a place to, that has looked at all the connections between the legends, right? Like there's got to be a place for that. I looked up the Prahala wiki, right? The fan made wiki and there, there wasn't anything there. I didn't see the source at all. And I'm like, you know what? I'll make it. I can do it. I can look at all the lore and figure out what all the connections are. And I even, I was overly ambitious. I was trying to go into like historical and mythological context as well which I'm not equipped to do. I'm not, a, I'm not a historian. Like it was, it was literally, it's just like, it's, it's Wikipedia research essentially, which is, I mean, it has its place, but it can only take you so far anyway. So I created the, my lore wiki, which I also have not updated in a, in a while because um, of lots of other things I've been involved in. But that's where I started. Essentially. I, I discovered the game on steam. Uh, it's a free game. I was enamored with the game with just it was just fun to play for a casual gamer like me and then I saw that the lore the lore felt uh special for a uh for a fighting game and I didn't see anyone else talking about it and so I decided I wanted to nice what um what is, what about the lore in Brawlhalla is there anything specific kind of that you picked up on like you mentioned, like the Fang Wild stuff and like Order of the Exalted Lion, things like that. Yeah. Like, what is kind of your favorite part of of Brawlhalla's lore? Mm, yeah, so I think it was, um, um, it was all the sort of subtle connections that were in there. I think, like it's 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 not obvious usually unless you actually sit down and read it. Mm. Um, a very good example of this, I think, is the fact that Sir Roland is Bryn's father. Um, that is not specifically mentioned anywhere. It is never mentioned in the lore that Bryn is Sir Roland's daughter. Um, however, you can. It is very is very heavily implied when you look at the fact that Bryn is half Valkyrie, half human, and her mother is a Valkyrie named Hypernia, and and that she inherited her father's legendary charm. And then you look at Sir Roland's lore. Uh, I can't remember exactly. They're both pretty early legends. I can't remember which one was before which, but. If you look at Sir Roland's lore, you'll see as you see that he was he fell in love with this Valkyrie named Hypernia who took one of his rivals up to Valhalla. Mm -hmm. And he basically he basically fell in love with her and pretty much spurned all other romantic advances, breaking hearts all over the place, until finally, at his deathbed, um, Hypernia came and punched him so that he could die in battle so that she could take him up to Valhalla. <laughs> um, and so obviously there's some reading between the lines there and being and uh, the devs have like done a couple of like father's day tweets over the years that kind of show sir roland and Bryn together father daughter whatever um it's it's just it's little things like that i don't know if it, i think it's just if i if i had to say one thing it's just kind of that there are um there's um unexpected depth to it right um i think and you mentioned having done a lore wiki for a previous game or previous game series in the past is is that like a a one-off thing or was that something that you were doing before that game as well um no that was that was the first time i did that 
Um, I was I was inspired. I mean, you know, even b- before that, I was wa- I was watching a lot of game theory videos and stuff, mm-hmm. and I I really I really loved it. You know, and of course, I was I was getting more and more into like my library career and things like that. That that, that mm-hmm. path. And I really, and I I was really enamored with this idea of that, what game theory tries to do is it tries to, you know, make, you know, it talks about trying to make a smarter internet sort of a thing, right? Mm. Um, Matt Pat and his team, they, they use game, they use gaming and now food and clothing and, um, and, and movies, uh, to, uh, kind of help people like, um, learn about the world around them and learn how, um, how, like, how the research process works and mm-hmm. uh, how you can kind of like evaluate sources and and things like that even if it's five nights at freddy's and <laughs> um and uh i mean even before i came across absur incorporated uh, or brahalla um i i loved the narrative capacities of video games um i've always been a huge legend of zelda fan i have the i have the lore books from before breath of the wild like hyrule story and all that mm-hmm. um and and just like uh like, uh, I love, I, and, uh, I also, I, I have a huge, fa- I, a huge, a huge appreciation for League of Legends lore. Okay. Um, and, and many, and, uh, you know, I, I know there's lots going on with like Hollow Knight and, and things like that. But I think one thing that draws me into like activity as a lore master, uh, especially even before Brahalla was, um, the reason I didn't get into Zelda lore that much or Hollow Knight lore or whatever was mainly, there were already people doing that and mm-hmm. there was already plenty of it. There are, there are plenty of people who do an excellent job talking about Zelda lore and I could, I could join them and everything, but I, I wanted to, I wanted to find a place that I could make a difference of some kind mm-hmm. that I could use my librarian expertise. Um, and at first I, I found it in the app community and I'm still, and I'm, I'm still there. I'm, uh, I was more active in, in previous years, but I'm still a moderator in the app discord server. And I have a, uh, a cordial a friendly relationship with the the dev of those games mm-hmm. um but of course i've been seeing a lot more but of course brahalla is a much bigger audience and before me the biggest lore nerds were like i think i know expired was one of the bigger lore nerds he he actually like the the lore discord server that i that i kind of like basically run now was started by him and a couple other people but um i guess because i had this lore wiki which was basically this the, this website alone that I made that starting in 2018, 2019, 2020. Um, that was like that was evidence of my, I guess, deep interest and I don't know if devotion is the right word. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, nerd nerddom. Uh, <laughs> uh, my deep interest in Brahalla lore and once people I think once people saw that they're like, wow, great. Uh, and I guess people kind of started calling me lore master at that point. Nice. Um, you mentioned you that uh, you're kind of a, a a librarian by trade, like that's kind of mm-hmm. your your full time job. For the people that I guess may not know what a librarian does, can you talk a little bit about <laughs> um, like yeah. what what's what is your job like, and like how how does that sort of like impact the way that you look at Brahalla and Brahalla's lore and, and how does that help you like be a better lore master basically? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, I think about this a lot because I, I call myself a librarian gamer, right? So, um, 
There, there are many. So, I mean, I have I have a master's degree in library science, which yes, that is a thing. <laughs> um, in in many like um, in many full time library jobs, uh, especially in like academic or like higher end library or like or like higher end like bigger libraries, you need to have a master's degree in library and information science. Um, so, which is why I got that. Um, there are lots of different kinds of libraries. There's like public libraries, um, mm -hmm. like your normal like city municipal kind of thing. Uh, there's the library at your like your elementary or high school. There's academic libraries, which is like your college, university, uh, or something similar. There's law libraries, medical libraries. There's like special archives or collections. Uh, museums are kind of sometimes in that sort of library space a bit. But um, so, if you imagine like a library and all the types of jobs that a librarian could do in there um that's a lot um but i will i'll summarize by saying that as a profession librarians consider themselves information professionals mm -hmm. um early early on in my um uh, like earlier i don't get this question anymore but there were a couple times where someone asked if asked me if libraries would be relevant and i would tell them yeah certainly because libraries don't just care about books they care about information um, they're not just a book repository. They are a place that helps people find what they need. Mm. And in the information age, and especially in a time when, you know, um, evaluating evaluating the uh, the bias of various sources uh, for research, or you know, like getting news, or, or 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 information about anything, librarians are there at the forefront of that. Um, to kind of help to improve the creation, distribution, and management and organization of information. Um, that's why it's called library and information science, or sometimes information science. Um, so that's like, that's a general overview, and that's um, which you know I, I, there's obviously some there's some very obvious um, uh, correlations with like you know lore type information. I'll be a little more specific though and say that most of my library experience. Of, I, have, I have a bit of two different things. Um, a lot of my library experience has been um, front-facing. So you know those like help desks that you might see at a mm -hmm. library? Sometimes they're called circulation or research or, 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 or research help desks. Uh, I've done a lot of work in those kinds of desks, helping people you know, find what they need, checking books in and out, uh, or, or, or checking other media like CDs, DVDs, sometimes even like video equipment or like electric equipment uh, as well. Um, and I mean... Heck, uh, I've worked in I've worked in libraries that have uh, board games and and video games that you can check in and out uh, and stuff. So um, yeah, so I've done a lot of that, but also more recently I've done uh, kind of more uh, kind of behind the scenes stuff. Um, some people call it technical services. Um, the uh, like uh, like that's where like acquisitions and cataloging are. So like when a library acquires new items, they're kind of brought into like the back kind of you know. Out, out of out of like patrons or, or customers way and kind of these, these back offices and then people and catalogers and acquisitions people take care of like making sure that uh, like basically noting down the metadata of the items uh, you know like whether it's a book what kind of book it is the subject um, you know information about the author or authors that kind of stuff and note that down on electronic records so that they can be searchable on the library website so I, I help with that kind of thing helping to make new library acquisitions searchable um, on uh, library websites. Um, how that applies to my like like lore knowledge, 
Um, I think a lot of it has to do with, first of all, my appreciation for information and how information is organized and how information is uh, presented as well. Um, and I think also just kind of like um, the, yeah, I uh, um, basically Lore Master is the perfect title I can think of for like taking librarianship and gaming together. Mm. Um, because uh, whenever whenever you talk about like, you know, researching a game or something like that, like, yeah, there, there's like the mechanics, like getting good at the game. Um, but more, but a lot of the times when people talk about like researching a game or looking into uh, a game, there's a lot of talk about the lore or like, you know, <laughs> the, uh, you know, as Matt Pat would say. So yeah, organ yeah, information organization and just kind of helping people to librarians also care about helping people uh, appreciate the resources that are available as well. Mm -hmm. um, because more often than not, a library offers services that people don't really realize are there until they come looking for it. And mm -hmm. there's there's often a problem of trying to like sort of publicize those things to help like the people to help the people who need that information get that information. So yeah. Nice. As far as um as far as Brahala's lore is concerned, like it's not really communicated just in the game, right? Like there have been other ways that BMG has kind of communicated like subtle lore yeah. details. What what do you think mm -hmm. is the most creative way that BMG has ever communicated something that's like actual canon lore? Well, before August, I would have said um, the uh, the Terminus cosmetics back in 2019. Um, there was a there was a pack of four cosmetic items that were released in in early 2019. This was uh, several months before Petra, by the way. Mm. Um, and so Loki's grasp, Shin Sakai Koji, Mythic Hero Val, and Street Fighter Cross. All four of these, so um, the Loki's grasp KO effect in these three skins were all released with. Um, under the title of Escape from Terminus or something like that. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time we'd ever heard of, of that, right? And we had, like, we lore people were, we lore nerds were just going, going, and when I say we lore nerds, I mean like, you know, the people in the lore, Brahola lore book club, Discord server, basically. Okay. Um, we were kind of, go, we were kind of going nuts about this. And it was like, what, what, what does this even mean? What, like, what is Terminus? What's, what's happening? Like, and even then, like they said that, Terminus was where was a prison that Loki was in charge of and was dragging legends to Terminus. And okay. then we learned, and then we, and that was like January, I think of 2019. And then we learned more through um, Petra's lore. Um, and then uh, especially, and Red Raptor's lore uh, expanded that even further. And then obviously, and then of course, um, Battle Pass Season 8 just blew the floodgates open. The most creative that BMG has ever been with their lore has been in just the past couple of months. Okay. Because, um, and I mean, my I made more videos in the past couple of months than I think I than I think I made in a long, long time because um, new stuff just kept coming. So I mean, I was obviously, of course, I was involved in revealing stuff about Battle the Battle about Battle Pass 8 when it was released. And there are all these research logs that you can click on and kind of like, um, and that like, I know Calamari Pop wrote that lore and also especially the propaganda message. If you scroll all the way down mm -hmm. um, and then this, then the screen goes dark and there's this message from Loki, right? And this, it was all just incredibly intriguing and incredibly engaging. And I thought that I, I'm like, 
uh, I thought that was kind of like, like that was the most I'd ever seen. And then um, I think a couple weeks later, the Brahala's profile picture started changing. Like mm. there's a little little edge of pink, like kind of like around it. And then the next day that pink was stronger and more and more and more. And then the crystals were creeping up and the shadow serpent THNX symbol was coming in from behind. And I realized that they were building up to something more than just the Battle Pass 8. And I I was kept guessing throughout the entire time. I know the devs were loving it uh, <laughs> throughout the whole thing. And I mean, like, obviously, it would obviously to some degree, it would have been nice to like to be uh, kind of like privy to a lot of the secrets beforehand. But I also understand why they 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 don't tell me anything because I, you know, I've, my speculation drives a lot of the interest, drives a lot more attention right. to it. And so, and I, I recognize that that's essentially what my role is as lore master, uh, as, as like the premier lore master, essentially. It's not to know all the inside details and everything, it's to like recognize the significance of something when it's happening. Right. And to help other people uh, recognize that. And I feel like I probably could have done a better job and I hope to still do a better job of making lore more accessible instead of just reading. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> I mean, even my lore wiki is just reading, honestly. Like, I, I have, I'm hoping in the, sometime in the future to, like, make more accessible ways to show what the lore is and get more and more people interested. But right. I will say, I, I will say that, like, there's been more interest in the lore this year than there was a couple years ago. Um, I, I've noticed. So, um, which I'm very happy about. Yeah. <laughs> Related to uh, the most recent reveals, I was told to ask your feelings on purple. <laughs> Lipstick asked you about that, huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yep. Yeah. He he has um, he's been he's been the dev to uh, DM me the most over the past month or so. Um, any anytime anything happened, um, he would just DM me saying purple question mark or purple <laughs> lol kind of a thing and, I, and it was because not only was the brawlhalla profile picture changing into like this pinkish purple dark heart but also like older videos were changed older brawlhalla trailer videos were changed were changing the thumbnail to be purplish pink mm. um like so um like when when thea and thor were shown on one of the teasers loki teasers when loki was watching tv um the thea trailer and the thor trailer and I mean, the Thor, Thor trailer was like four years ago and they, they changed yeah. the thumbnail to make that pink. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I've been like keeping a document of, I have a document that keeps track of all of these changes, all of these thumbnails, all the profile picture changes, all of the, anytime something was set on, uh, set on, on dev stream, like when, when defensive was handling the dark heart or whatever mm -hmm. on that day, when we all thought that they would actually reveal Loki or whatever, and they didn't say anything, um, yeah, so I, I was I was I was keeping track of how do I feel about purple? Uh, well, I mean, yeah, uh, I I know to um, if if there's dark heart at BCX, which I mean clearly it's infected the BMG studio. So why wouldn't dark heart be a BCX? I don't know. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll bring gloves to make sure uh, <laughs> it's not painful when I pick it up. <laughs> uh, yeah. on, on on the on the theme of BCX with some of the more interesting things that BMG's done with the lore recently, do you have anything 
that you're either hoping for or expecting that will happen at BCX that might be lore related or something that could influence the lore in a significant way? Yeah, so um, I was incredibly pleased and honestly very humbled to have been invited to participate or I guess sort of moderate uh, the lore panel last year at BCX. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I learned a lot about how the lore was written and everything. And it, it was, you know, probably honestly, as cool as the rest of BCX was, that was honestly one of the big highlights for me last year. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if they're going to do some kind of lore panel again this year. I, I would I would love that. I haven't, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of planning is still going on. I haven't heard anything yet. But um, I did see that... Um, the the all the the BCX related viewership rewards and in person rewards are revealed and one of them is uh, Lore Book Club as a title, hmm. um, which I I had no idea that was going to be a thing, um, and uh, they didn't say what that they didn't say publicly what that title is going to be and I don't know 100 percent what they're going to do, but like it sounds like I'm aware they have some plans maybe something panel related or whatever, but. If, if if something doesn't work out, then if nothing else, I I expect that I'll probably be able to like hand out that title at BCX. Maybe if you know, last year I quizzed, I gave I gave people a lore master title if they answered a quiz question, mm -hmm. a lore quiz question correctly, right? So I might do something similar to that. Um, I'm also like again, if if there are panels related to lore, that'd be fantastic. Um, I I I'm always hopeful that one of the big um, announcements at bcx will be lore related uh i mean technically anytime there's a new character it's always lore related right um and everything because that means new lore you know new you know everything like that which is great um uh i i feel i feel like um i i have no idea but i feel like there's got to be some kind of like lore related content maybe in like book form or probably not animated probably not an animated thing because that's a lot of work um, I, I know it's a lot of work just to make the, the trailers and stuff, but like, if there was some sort of like, I don't know, like a, like a, like a book or like, I, I know the devs have talked about for years about doing like a sort of a single player mode sort of thing, but they mm. want to do it like, well, they want to make a, they want to make it good. And I get that. Um, I, I'm honestly, uh, or, uh, I've also been hopeful that the devs might like give. I know they have an internal timeline actually that they that they use to reference like events like the fall of atlantis and whatever mm -hmm. it'd be cool if they released that um or also the uh um i know last year at the lore panel um matt woomer uh the producer executive producer agreed to reveal orion's face if uh the brahalla youtube channel reached 1 million subscribers which it still hasn't um i've kind of tried to push that a bit but it's um i don't really see that happening and even Foda, like in a recent dev stream, said that he thought that Matt was kind of crazy for promising that. So I'm, I'm not going to hold that against them at all. <laughs> I'm, I'm very flexible. Is basically what I'm saying. Right. Um, I, like, there's a lot of possibilities. Like I, you know, there's, there's, you know, a lot of people, a lot of fans have made fan art. I've helped produce a audio drama based mm -hmm. on like, and stuff. I, uh, there's like. I've written. I and other people have written fan fiction. Which, um, there's there's a lot you can do with Brahalla lore. There's a lot of like, there's a lot of gaps there that that uh, you can fill with your imagination. Mm -hmm. And um, I know the devs like to keep their the doors open as well. So whatever is lore related, um, 
that I, I am hoping for something cool and big that is lore related, but I, I couldn't tell you more specifically than that, except maybe just, I don't know, just continuing to uh, make lore a, a part of the game that the devs show that they care about. And they have been doing that. Nice. Okay. Um, on the topic of Darkheart, because I have a question that you might be the best person okay. to answer. What do you right. think is kind of the significance of Darkheart in, in Brahalla's lore? And, mm. and why was it such a prominent part of Loki's reveal? Yeah, so... Um, yeah, so I... Uh, <clears throat> yeah, so Darkheart was... Um, so it's... Yeah, fundamentally, Darkheart is this like strange, powerful, mythical ore, right? It's, it's basically it's it's a, it's a rock, it's a mineral um, that has some sort of strange power to it, right? We don't have, and that's all we know. Like we don't know how it was created or anything, but it, it just existed in this place called Terminus. And um, in Petra's lore, it said that the gods, the gods, doesn't specify in Petra's lore, but the gods were concerned about. The, cha the chaotic power of the dark heart so they wanted it sealed away in its own dimension mm. and 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 so they basically quarantined dark heart away from it's petra's lore says that terminus is the only source of dark heart in the multiverse and so quarantining dark dark heart away from the rest of all the rest of reality basically keeps it away from everything else um keeps keeps its corrupting power from from spreading essentially or people trying to like use it as a as a corrupting resource and we learned in loki's lore now that loki's been released that loki was actually the person who sealed terminus away in its own dimension mm. um he was he it was basically like the north i guess the norse gods gave him the task of hey they're like hey loki you're very good with portals and dimension man see kind of thing like that's one of his big sticks is like he's he, he thinks with portals all the time. He's very good with them. And so they're like, hey, why don't you um, why don't you take on the important task of quarantining Darkheart into its own dimension? And apparently the, the, the Norse gods were also thinking this is the perfect way to get rid of Loki because once Loki did that, he was trapped in Terminus along with everything else in there. Um, and so... Uh, so and so there's that and then of course with Lo with the Loki's grasp KO effect and also these um, in, in the battle paths we get these legends that seem to come from different dimensions so Loki is somehow using his portals to like pull people from different dimensions which I think are the different battle passes I think the different battle passes are parallel dimensions and like Hattori from season oh. one um, maybe Orion from season five um Maybe Tezka from season nine. He was from. He was pulled from Rift number nine, from number zero zero nine, um, and so on and so forth. Interesting. So, yeah. Um, so, so there's this going on. I think the most significant thing about the about Darkheart in the lore comes from again that propaganda message uh, that mm -hmm. I mentioned. Um, if you go if you go to the Battle Pass website and scroll all the way down, the screen goes dark. And this this special propaganda message pops up, and like I said, it's a message from Loki to the people of Terminus. Like it's like this public service announcement type thing, right? And um, it's it's a very very cool message. I've already I've already made videos about it, um, like reading over it and everything. But he um, 
I want to get the, the wor uh, wording here exactly. Um, but in that message, he talks about um, how, like he talks about in a future that has long been weaved into the loom of the Norns, uh, like the Norns are like the fates, essentially. Like um, he talks about unraveling, um, unraveling the inevitable. Okay. Um, and he says, change is coming thanks to the power of Darkheart. To, to Loki, with all he's doing all these experiments and everything on people and creatures with Darkheart because he believes that Darkheart will be the catalyst for unraveling fate or changing the inevitable. And what is the inevitable? I think it's Ragnarok. There are a couple other like subtle clues about Ragnarok preparation and things like that. But I think what he's trying to do is use the power of Darkheart to stop Ragnarok from happening. And he does say in that message, if not in this timeline, then, per then perhaps the next and the next, and the next, as we've always done. Um, the ends will justify the means. Um, and you can see that in action in Red Raptor's trailer. The the, the kaiju that he was fighting, mm -hmm. those were Darkheart kaiju that are mentioned in the research logs of the Battle of, of the battle Pass website. Um, Loki sent those out to, to Red Raptor's planet um, to kind of like sort of test the strength of these kaiju. Um, so yeah, basically, so to sum it all up, I know I get wordy uh, with, <laughs> when I talk about lore and stuff like that. To sum it all up, um, I believe Loki wants to stop Ragnarok uh, because he cares about his family. He has the picture of Thor and Hugin and Moonin and all that. Like mm. he clearly he clearly cares about about his family because um, he knows they would die in Ragnarok otherwise. Um, and he's using Darkheart, and Darkheart is the main source of the experiments of his experimentation he's doing a lot of awful things with dark heart don't get me wrong um but he believes he's doing the right thing with dark heart and so that that's that's why the mineral is so significant because it's only in one place and mm. that one place is loki's domain and he's using it for his own ends so from a lore perspective does do you feel like loki returning to valhalla is an indication that Ragnarok might be close? I, yeah, so, um, kind of yes and no, because the, the narrative of Brahalla, the game, while you're playing Brahalla, you're basically playing as the legends in Valhalla waiting for Ragnarok. Mm. So if Ragnarok were ever to come, then, like, what then for the game, right? Like, right. you know, there, there would be no more narrative for the game, really. Um, I think that again, this is just speculation here, but I think that the fact that they're toying with like other dimensions and Loki pulling things from other dimensions and like, um, he Loki seems to mostly be leaving the main canon dimension alone, um, um and everything except maybe Red Raptor or something, but like that's far away from Valhalla, um, his planet was. I, I think, um, I think Loki has been like toying with other dimensions because Ragnarok either has or is happening or will happen in those other places. Mm. And so I think that would, if, if all, if, if what I'm thinking is true, then that means the devs can have their cake and eat it too. They can have Ragnarok happen in other dimensions, mm. but not in the, the main one. So, um, I could see them doing stuff with, I could see the devs doing stuff with like other, like the themes of other battle passes um, season one, Japanese yokai. Season five, space. Season four, Great Fall of the OEL. Um, uh, season six, the Fangwild. 
um, that kind of thing. So, um, so you think that's been my speculations. Go ahead. So you think it's possible that we might see a Ragnarok themed battle pass at some point in the future? Then, uh, maybe. Um, one could, I, I suppose, you could argue that season four, the fall of the Order of the Exalted Lion, um, that was a pretty, that's a pretty disastrous and dark timeline. Um, you could argue that maybe Ragnarok, in some shape or form, kind of happened there, um, because significant figures fell, um, and you know. Um, this powerful version of Azoth and like fallen Diana and like, you know, powerful Mordex and, and all of that. Um, and I guess we also did see in season three, um, that was based, that was like Jotun winter, right? The Jotun, mm. the, the ice giants that I believe the narrative there was that the ice giants were trying to cross the Bifrost and Bryn was using the power of the Bifrost to become Aurora Bryn to fight them back. Mm. So there's a little bit of Ragnarok happening there too. Um, so I think we kind of have already been seeing Ragnarok in some way, shape, or form happening in other dimensions. Okay. Possibly. Interesting. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I'm going to segue away from lore for a bit to talk about sure. um, kind of Brahalla the game in general and um, your kind of experience with it. Um, can you tell me a little bit? I know there was a time not all that long ago where you were making kind of a more concerted effort to climb the rank ladder a bit. Um, I was, yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about A, how that went, and B, how far did you make it? Yeah, so um, yeah, so that was last year, like summer of 2022. Um, that was, um, I was kind of spurred on by, uh, you know, that, that, was, that was a time of uh, much uh, sort of warm debate in the community for various reasons, um, right? Um, which um, wasn't always the most uh, friendly, and uh, and I think I and I think uh, I, I was kind of I was spurred on because I was uh, I was kind of I was talking about the state of the game with various people in the community at the time on Twitter, mm -hmm. but some of these people were also pro players, and they kind of kind of got back at me for you know for talking about various aspects of the game that. Technically, I sh I don't care about because I'm not that good, and I never mm. care about being that good. Sure, sure. And so I kind of, and I mean that was part of it. That wasn't the only thing. I'm like, you know what? I think it'd be really cool, content-wise, and like you know maybe, uh, maybe not just not just content, but just kind of like an achievement to actually reach diamond. Just just reach diamond at all, mm. right? Because I've never I had never even reached platinum because uh, I never really cared. So yeah, I I was doing my rank ranked climb to diamond that was also a time when i was working part-time as well so i had more time to do that and polymonto was very generously uh was coaching me as well nice. giving me coaching sessions helping me with i wanted to try to get good at uh, several different weapons uh lance uh, maybe better at some weapons i didn't know as well like scythe and whatever or orb and stuff like that and it was very good like he, he was he he was he was awesome he's he opened my eyes to a lot of things about how the pros see the game mm -hmm. and i i really appreciate him for that um and yeah people were very supportive as i was streaming you know my sort of weekly grind up to up to up to diamond um i did not like and i i was in it for the long haul but then i got a full-time job and i was also as starting to steam it around that time as one does yes yeah, yes yeah. 
And uh, also Polymanto was um, like, he was, um, I, f I forget exactly what, he was getting more involved in some other things in his life as well. Sure. Um, and so we kind of, we, t we talked to each other and we like mutually said, you know, thank you. You know, this has been good, but I'm going to, I'm going to stop there. Uh, and I, I couldn't consistently put in the effort um, that was needed for, for, for that. Gotcha. I do not remember how high I got when I was climbing. Um, I think I got up to like, like the high fifteen, high fifteen hundreds or something like that. Okay. Um, and I think before that, I think bef before that, my my peak elo was like fifteen fifty, and so I broke that during my rank climb and got to like fifteen seventy, fifteen eighty, something like that. Like it was it was very off and on kind of a thing, True. Uh, like up and down for me. Um, as I was trying, as you know, going through growing pains. But what was funny is that like um, probably about like this past summer. I was just like playing randomly trying to go like I, I mainly play Brawlhalla to go through to complete battle passes and everything. Mm -hmm. And I just randomly I think I was playing random for several times and then like through like rematches and people thinking they could beat me. And then I come in with the Scarlet on the net on the rematch and I beat him. Um, <laughs> I suddenly realized my ELO had just like jumped past my peak and I didn't even realize it. I wasn't even trying. Uh Oddly enough, and I think now my peak elo is uh, 1663. Okay. Um, so, uh, which I know is still compared to a lot of other people at people in the community is not huge, but it was huge for me. Right. Um, and I it motivated me a little bit at that time, but I didn't like get any higher than that. Like in the next like week or, week or so, when I was playing. So, um, yeah, I. <clears throat> I think I'm glad uh, I did. I'm, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was gonna, I was gonna say I think I think what a lot of people still tend to forget about Rahala and and like the bell curve that is the like rate distribution is that once you get beyond like a certain part of gold, like you're kind of in the top twenty five. You're in the top fifty. Yeah, you're you're in the top fifty to twenty five percent once yeah. you get into like like mid to high gold essentially. Yeah. So I um, think I think it, any progress I think any progress through gold and platinum in particular is good. Like yeah, I and, agree. And I think that any anybody who can reach diamond is good at Brahalla, like from the context mm. of like that's like top ten percent. Actually it's probably less than that. It's probably like top it probably it's probably less than yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So <clears throat> It just so happens that like the active player, the the people who are active online tend right. to skew more towards plat. Um, right. So so it's easy. So it's easy to um, see gold as like a low place. But right. But even from the very beginning, I never saw gold as a place of shame. Um, I proudly put it on my Twitter banners for for years. <laughs> um, so, um, but yeah, I, I'm glad I did. I'm glad I did the rank climb because it helped me again. It, it opened my eyes to like understanding more of Brahala's strategy, mm -hmm. um, like Brahala, like active Brahala gameplay and like, you know, and be, being able to pay more, like kind of thinking how higher level players think. Right. And um, it also gives me a lot more respect for people who are um, better than me, honestly, because I have a better understanding of what I don't know or what I don't have. Right. Um, yeah. So I may, I may still not be good at the game, but I'd like to think I'm not stupid. In the game. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, that makes sense.
I mean, it's kind of if you if you take that and then like bridge it out to like Valhalla for me, it's one of those things where like I have a ton of knowledge about the game and I have problems executing on that knowledge simply because yeah. at, at this point I'm 36. I'm I'm old. Yep. My hands don't yeah. work the same I, way. I'm, hey, I'm yeah. I'm, uh, I'm I'm up there with you, man. Like <laughs> yeah. the, the, the hands the I hands don't like quite work the way they community. used to. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. But but yeah, I mean, I think what like getting the knowledge in a lot of in a lot of cases, I think is um kind of good enough, especially when you learn from somebody who is like much more experienced, like Polymanto mm -hmm. and and people like that. So. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a good good approach to it. Um, one thing that I haven't asked that I meant to ask earlier and I just remembered was, uh, can you talk a little bit about the uh, origin of your name, Arendipitous? Right, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm very proud of it, uh, I'll be honest. Um, essentially, so again, I have, uh, I've, I've played Dungeons and Dragons and lots of other tabletop role-playing games for... Uh, going on like seven, eight years now, something like that. Um, mm. Mostly as a dungeon master, um, proudly, because I love world building and doing doing silly voices and, you know, that <laughs> kind of thing. Um, and like helping people to have fun in a game and whatever, adjudicating that. Uh, and one of, but one time when I was a player, I, I was playing a cleric, a gambler cleric character. Um, like a, basically a cleric, like a, like a, like a healer, magic user who worshiped Lady Luck or had a, or, or, um, anyway, he has a, I named him Aaron Dippity, but he calls him, he calls himself Baron Dippity. Um, mm. obviously after the word serendipity, right? Uh, cause I was just, I was just looking up words about uh, words that had to do with like lucky, fortuitous and, mm -hmm. um, Felicitous and whatever, and that one I liked that one a lot. That was one of my favorite. That was one of my favorite D and D characters to play. I played that character for like nine months, and it was one of my longer campaigns I've been in, honestly. Um, like that character grew a lot, and I I had a couple other gamer tags that I experimented with around that time. But then, especially as I was getting into the Darwin Project and Absur Inc. Um, and stuff back in like 2017, 2018. I decided that I really liked the name Baron Dipity, um, and I thought Baron Dipitus sounded a little more, I guess, formal or something like that. Um, mm. And uh, and also like I wanted to kind of separate it from the Baron Dipity character that I made in D and D, so I right. did Baron Dipitus. And I just kind of kept, I just I, I stuck with that. And uh, it, it's uh, this is also kind of related to my uh, what my OC Baron kind of looks like um, right. because. When I started call when I started calling myself Berendipitous, um, for my Discord profile picture, I just looked up like public domain images of a Baron. And okay. um and I found a, a Wikimedia Commons image of a guy by the name of William Waldegrave, the first Baron Radstock. I actually read up on his page. He has a fun little history with like the British Navy and like, you know, and Canadian history and whatever. Mm -hmm. But uh, I used that portrait for quite a while. And then as I got more notoriety, well, as I got more like, as I got kind of more noticed for my lore knowledge, um, especially when I became a Brahala partner in, mm -hmm. uh, in 2019, 2020, and like, you know, was assisting with battle pass reveals and things like that. Um, some fan artists very graciously just sort of like sketched out their, like that Baron character in like a Brahala style. 
Um, mm -hmm. And I used that as my profile picture for a while. And that just kind of stuck. This guy that has like this British Navy jacket with the metal and the white shirt and, and everything. And I like that. I've, I've always liked those kind of like, you know, sort of uh, fancy, like maybe butlerish kind of characters. Um, I've always gravitated towards those in my D&D characters. Mm -hmm. And so it all just seemed to fit with my librarian persona and just, uh, yeah, lots, lots of just good stuff just fitting in perfectly there. Yeah. Yeah, no, the, the, the Baron fan art is fantastic. We're, we're actually, for the people that are watching this on YouTube, you probably saw the thumbnail, which includes the, yep. it's, what is it, is JoJo style version? Yeah, of that, the... was made by, that was made by Tacona, um, okay. the artist Tacona. And, uh, and that art is yeah. amazing. And, and <laughs> we use that for uh, the thumbnail for this video and it, it's, it's one quite, of my favorites. I, I do have a lot more Baron fan art like in my folders than I I was hoping to make some I'm hoping to someday in the future make like some sort of like online gallery to show like all these like different fan art and like, mm. people and whatever because a lot of because just, just to kind of show like people's like people like people's like creativity with the character and stuff and, right. and everything because I really appreciate uh, all of it but that is definitely one of my favorites. And nice. people like it a lot. I like it a lot. So, yeah, no, I, yeah. I, it's really cool. <laughs> we're uh, we're getting pretty close to the end of our time. Uh, so I figured I would ask if there is anything that you would like to shout out. Uh, any any projects that you've got going on that you would want to share with the Brahala community, or uh, anything that you want to just kind of give a quick shout out to. Yeah, oh man, I always have this problem of having too many project ideas in my head. So I've been trying <laughs> to, totally I've been trying to rein to that. that in with the best. I've been trying to rein it in. Like I have so many like content ideas, but so so little time. Yeah. As, as a as a as a grown family man with a job and right. like and, and everything like that, could be a better content creator. But I would have to sacrifice some of my more important life priorities. That would just make me kind of a worse person in general. Um, so I, I make what I can. I will say this though. I've been trying, uh, there are several things I want to try to complete before BCX. I've, I've mentioned this on Twitter mm. and I have some of this stuff kind of with me here. I'll, I'll describe this. Um, so, um, I handed out Baron, Baron signed library cards, uh, BCX last year. So I have, right. I have a bunch more that I made for this year. They are actual library catalog cards that nice. librarians used to use, um, before computers, uh, to organize books. Okay. So uh, there's that. Um, it's kind of like the sort of autograph thing that I'm giving out to people. I'm hoping to write all the Brawlhalla lore in this physical book that I bound last year. Um, oh, okay. Like actually, and like, and there's a there's an empty page next to each lore page for people to sign or sketch in it if they want to. I'm very behind on it. I'm I'm I have 15 down with six, with 45 to go. Um, we'll see if I make it for BCX. Um, I am hopeful. I might have been too ambitious here, but I'm hopeful to have like a working, a working and good quality physical prototype of a card game that I've been making based on Brahalla characters and Brahalla lore. Mm -hmm. um, and I also want to try to make a Brahalla tabletop role playing game as well. Um, fairly like 
lighter on rules and more like focused on the Brawlhalla flavor of just like, you know, getting together and like fighting battles and exploring different parts of Brawlhalla, of the Brawlhalla universe and stuff like that. Those are the things that I'm specifically hoping to at least make good significant progress on or finish before BCX. Um, nice. And apart from that, there are a lot of things that I have in my mind for lore content, uh, global breakout content as well. Um, oh man, and, I totally uh, forgot to ask about global breakout. <laughs> it's it's fine. Like I, <laughs> there hasn't been a lot going. I, I also briefly like as a little shout out to global breakout as well. Um, which for those who don't know, I'm the CEO um, of it. I I don't have a lot to say about that right now uh, okay. because things have just been very slow and like there's a lot of like behind the scenes like management stuff that I've been trying to slowly figure out mm -hmm. over the past eight months. Um, things are moving faster now than they were like over the summer, definitely. Um, so uh, hopefully, at, but I'm more focused on BCX right now. And I, I will say that what Kozlix has been doing with Neutralix, um, he said that he's the first, um, first like Brawlhalla of esports and content org to be fully like self-funded by content creation. I'm hoping, like, I think that's an excellent model, especially mm -hmm. for someone like me who's focused on content creation and people in Global Breakout are more content focused. I'm hoping Global Breakout can be the second to do that. Not sure okay. if that will happen, but that is my goal for, for that right now. So that's what I've got going on in, in the world of Brawlhalla. <laughs> nice. Well, Baron, thank you very much for coming on the show. I'm glad uh, that we were able to sit down and have this time to chat. Yeah, it's been very fun. I've, I've always been incredibly, honestly humbled by the place I found myself in the community. Mm. Um, I certainly wasn't trying to get to this point, but this is where I find myself and I'm very, very grateful. So thank you for for having me here. And it it is a genuine honor to be like, one of the interview, one of the guests here next to Slow Mo, Nsig, Consolix. I know you have Stefanofro and, and other people you have yep. lined up. So thank you very much. Yep. All right. Thanks a lot. Have a good night. Yeah. You as well. Thanks for watching episode 4 of Brahalla Origins. Episode 5 comes out next week on October 16th. Our next guest is the Brahalla production legend himself, Toast. Leave a comment on YouTube or tweet at me with the hashtag Brahalla Origins to let me know your thoughts on the show. If you enjoyed this and want to see more, please subscribe and share. Don't forget to check out BrawlAcademy.com. Thanks.